And for the reading of the word, please. Morning is taken from Romans chapter 5, reading verses 1 to 11, inclusive. Peace and joy. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might, might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we are now being justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Del. Um, the reading for this morning was supposed to be Romans 6, 1 to 11. And uh, I know that's my mistake, my mistake, yeah, yeah. Um, but we just got the gospel read to us, so that's always a good thing, always a good thing. Yeah, my mistake. Uh, finish these phrases, okay? Um, where the smoke, six of one, a penny saved is a penny, ball and, all right, following Christ and baptism. The importance of baptism for the Christian faith can hardly be overstated. From the very birth of the church and throughout the New Testament, the reality of following Christ and baptism are so closely linked as to be almost indistinguishable. In fact, because this is so, many have made the error of believing that baptism is what saves, that without, without baptism, one cannot be saved, and that is an error. But it does highlight for us that consistently in the New Testament, where there was faith in Christ, there was baptism. And a survey of the early church in the book of Acts will demonstrate that. Um, 
Having received Jesus' commandment to preach the gospel, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey, um, the apostles did just that. Acts chapter 2. Peter has just preached through the crowds. They've heard that Jesus is the Son of God who died and was raised to life and is both Lord and Christ or Messiah. They're cut to the heart by what they hear and they ask, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Acts 8 verse 12, Peter, uh, Philip is preaching in Samaria and we read this. When they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Later in that same chapter, you see Philip in conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch, explaining Christ. And the eunuch believes, and as soon as they come to some water, they both went down in the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Acts 9, Saul of Tarsus, Apostle Paul, who has been persecuting the church, has a life-changing, profound encounter with Christ that utterly transformed him. And he fasts for three days, and then before even eating, he is baptized by the very first Christian he meets, a man named Ananias. Acts 10 Cornelius, the Roman centurion, and his household, his friends, his relatives, hear the gospel from Peter. They are filled with the Spirit, and Peter immediately commands that they be baptized. Acts 16, two accounts of other households, that of Lydia, the wealthy merchant, and that of uh, the Philippian jailer. And when they hear about Jesus and they come to faith in Jesus, they are immediately baptized. The pattern of the early church is clear. You have faith, you have baptism. Faith in Christ followed immediately, usually the same day, by water baptism. Now, why was baptism given such a place of honor in the Christian church? When somebody received Christ, baptism was assumed. Notice, too, that baptism didn't follow an extended time of discipleship. There was no probationary period in which your life was evaluated. Christians didn't wait until they were ready. When they heard and understood and accepted the gospel, they were baptized. So why such an emphasis on baptism? In the Christian faith, where it is, it is the inner things that matter, belief and love, love for Jesus, why such an emphasis on this external act, this ritual? So today, to understand baptism a little better, we're going to ask two questions. Why does baptism, what does baptism mean, and why does it matter? Okay, what does it mean? Why does it matter? So first, what does baptism mean? Now, baptism is a reenactment of what happened to us when we, when we came to faith in Christ. So to understand baptism is to understand more fully what happened in your salvation. Reenacting is a powerful way of remembering. In fact, 
God has often called his people to reenact certain things in order to keep not just the event itself, but the significance of the event in mind. The annual Passover celebration was a reenactment the night that the Israelites under Moses were set free from slavery. Communion, or the Lord's Supper, which we celebrate monthly, is a reenactment of Jesus' last supper with his disciples the night before he was crucified. And in the rite of baptism, our coming to faith, our salvation event, is reenacted. And it's reenacted by portraying two things. First of those is death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. When one comes to faith in Christ, what happens? Is it adding a religious facet to our lives? Is it the change from one belief, one system of belief to another? The Bible teaches that coming to faith in Jesus Christ is nothing less than the death of one nature and the birth of another. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The Christian life is not about patching things up. It's about a brand new life. God will not change your life. God will not fix your life. God will give you life. Jesus said you must be born again. When sin entered the human experience through Adam and Eve, it was like, you've heard this before, it was like pricking a balloon with a pin. And instead of just a tiny hole that could be fixed with a simple, I'm sorry, the life that they were created to enjoy was destroyed. It was a matter of repairing it. And there's only one giver of life, and that is God. So, God took initiative. In the person of Jesus Christ, God took the weight of our sin, the punishment and the pain of our sin, upon his own shoulders, and he died with it. God surrendered himself to the consequences of our sin. Sin had no claim to God, but he did it for us. Now, notice how Paul describes it in Romans 6. In the, past, uh, in the chapter before, Paul has argued that God's grace is great no matter how much we sin. God has enough grace to cover it. So Paul anticipates the counter-argument, which is, well, if that's the case, we should just sin more, because more sin equals more grace. And that's where our supposed reading from today picks up. Romans 6, verse 1. Paul is answering that kind of thinking. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? By no means. We've died to sin. How can we live it in any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were, therefore, buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live 
a new life. We are included in Christ's death. It's not just that he died in our place, but that we, in a sense, died with him. Our life of sin, of emptiness, our search for meaning has ended. Verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And just as we share in Christ's death, so we share in his resurrection. As he was raised to new life, free from sin because he died to it, so are we raised to new life. And what has happened to us then is that there has been an end to an old way of living, a life defined by separation from God, a bent towards sin, a life that was really no life at all. So becoming a Christian is more than just realigning some things in our life. There has been a death and a rebirth into new life. Baptism is a celebration and reenactment of that. We are immersed in the water, buried into death. We were, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death and then raised out of the water, out of death, to a new life, new, to a new life. So death and resurrection. The second picture that baptism paints for us is a picture of washing, of cleansing. The Bible speaks of our having been deeply stained by sin. Isaiah 1 says, our sins are like scarlet. In Psalm 51, David pleads with God to wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. And Israel, Israelite worship reflected this. Certain offenses made people unclean. The priests had to continually purify themselves bathing, putting on clean clothes in order to per perform their religious duties in the temple. So sin has made us dirty, unfit, unable to approach the pure and holy God. It is a stain that is set deeply into our lives, deeply into the core of who we are. Now, we do well at glossing over sin or ignoring it or comparing someone who is not as bad as we are. But gray compared to black looks pretty good. But gray compared to white is still pretty dirty. And in our most honest moments, we recognize the stain. More often than I wish, I'm aware of the darkness of my own heart, my tendency towards criticism and spiritual laziness and lustfulness, critical. If we're honest, we recognize these things and we know that this is not how we should be. And the best bleach, best spiritual detergent, good works, faithfulness in church, generosity, these are unable to remove the stain. Just as only God can give life, so only God can remove the stain. And again, it's in the cross of Calvary that God dealt with it. 
that Jesus Christ, who is himself unblemished, unstained, became stained with our sin in order that we might become clean. Hebrews 9, 13 to 14, compares the work of the Old Testament sacrificial system, and it says this. The blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean, sanctified them so that they were outwardly clean. And how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, that we may serve the living God. So this we also affirm and celebrate in baptism. You go into the water dirty, we come out purified, cleansed. After Paul's conversion, Ananias said to him, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on Jesus' name. So the meaning of baptism in that death and resurrection that we have died to an old life and been raised to a new one, and that we have been made clean through the death of Jesus Christ. So two pictures, death and resurrection and cleaning. Now that's the meaning inherent in baptism. But why is it so important to do it? I mean, isn't the reality of my salvation more important than the symbol itself? Doesn't my conversion, my salvation, mean more than baptism? Why do we put so much emphasis on the act? Well, baptism matters for, again, two reasons. The first is that of identification with Christ. Identification with Christ. When one is baptized, it's a way of publicly saying, I am Christ. Things are different. Life is going to be different, for I am a Christian. I was lifeless before. Now I have life with Christ and under his lordship. When one is baptized, I always ask this question. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose again? And do you promise to live your life in love and obedience to him? That's it. And when the answer is yes, I baptized. And incidentally, baptism is an obedience issue. Christ instructed his followers to be baptized. So, if you are an adult Christian, and you've been a Christian for some time, and you've never been baptized, that means two things. One of two things. You're either uninformed or disobedient. I can't see any other option. So today, I'm hoping to inform and then to call you to obedience to Jesus Christ. And as we obey Christ by being baptized, we are signaling that we will obey him in all other things as well. Christ is my Lord. I will obey, I will, I will obey him, and I'm taking this step of obedience. 
as a sign of that. Baptism is a public act of identification with Christ, affirming his lordship. Secondly, baptism signals incorporation into the church. It's a visible sign of our inclusion in the body. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, by one spirit we have been baptized into one body. To be a Christian is by definition to be a part of the body of Christ. And baptism is the act, the the ritual, by which that is affirmed by God's people. Other Christians recognize the connection of the new Christian to themselves. When someone is baptized here, it happens on a Sunday morning, publicly, so that the rest of us can affirm we are now one with them. We belong to them and they with us. When I finished my last exam in seminary 16 years ago, when I had my last paper graded, when I completed my last credit, I had my degree. I was finished. But at the graduation ceremony, I received my diploma, and my status was affirmed and confirmed that I was now an alumnus of Edmonton Baptist Seminary. And baptism is like that. It's the ceremony by which we affirm that the one being baptized is part of the church, part of the body of Christ. And baptism for two millennia has been the act by which we enter into membership and participation in the visible church of Jesus Christ. So the significance of baptism, why it matters, is twofold. Public identification with Christ. On one hand, when we say, now I follow Christ, and incorporation into the church, where the church says, we affirm you and recognize that you are one with us and we are one with you in the body of Christ. That's baptism. That's what it is. Death and resurrection, cleansing. That's why it matters. Identification with Christ, incorporation into the church. Now sometimes people say after they have made a genuine faith commitment to Jesus Christ that they're not ready to be baptized. To that, I would say that to make a faith commitment to Jesus Christ is to be ready. There is no other needed qualification. There's nothing else you need before you are ready. So if you are a Christian, please don't wait. Baptism is not a maturity issue. It's an obedience issue. So I want to ask you this morning, if you have been baptized, to consider again that you have been given a new life. The old has gone. The new has come. And to, in Paul's words, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Our lives should reflect our desire to honor and obey Christ, to live according to his values. So if you have been baptized, reflect on that, live it out. If you are not a Christian and have been for some time and you have not been baptized, why not? It's important for you to respond to the command of Christ and to be baptized. 
again, in the pew in front of you, you'll find this card. And um, I want you to just fill it out and indicate on the card in some way, I want to be baptized. And when receive, when we receive the benevolent offering in just a few minutes, um, put it in the plate and we'll follow up with you. But to be a follower of Christ is to be baptized. You can't have one and not follow up with the other. So let's pray. Lord, we want to obey you. We want to follow up on what, have you, what you have told us matters. And baptism is one of those things. And if we have been baptized, just remind us of what we've committed to on that day. If we haven't been baptized, spur us on to be baptized, to take that step. And all of it is dependent on you. Yeah. I'm preaching again, but we don't have to be ready. We just have to understand that you did it all. So remind us of that. I thank you for this church. I thank you that we celebrate baptism, affirm membership in the Church of Christ. We belong together, and I thank you for that. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.